Hi, my name is Anes Homboy from the Relationship Center and I'm glad you joined us for part two of our series on handling conflict. This is the second part of a series we are doing for couples to help them manage conflict in their relationships. We started off part one last time by doing an introduction, by looking at what conflict uh, looks like and what God's view of conflict is and looked at how we must start solving conflict by looking at the ultimate conflict, the conflict between God and us, the ultimate conflict of sin. And we examined how the gospel, how Jesus Christ has fulfilled the requirements that God requires us to fulfill in our own relationships. And we said it is only through the inspiration of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can ex- execute that same kind of power to our relationships, ensuring that we are people who um, live in such a way that we resolve conflict as soon as possible, we respond in love and anger, we use all our power, resources and abilities to resolve conflict, we destroy archives of past misdeeds and we inconvenience ourselves for the sake of the resolution of conflict. And we saw how Christ did all of this and how through him we can too do all of this in our relationships. Now, we're going to get a bit practical moving forward. And in this second session, we're going to look at the things that cause conflict, all right? So we want to understand the causes of our conflict. Because if we understand the causes of our conflict, we'll be able to extend some grace towards our partners. Now, understanding brings tolerance. If you know where someone is coming from, you'll be able to extend some form of grace. But if you have a misconception concerning what they're doing, concerning where they're coming from, chances are you will judge this person, you will assign labels to this person, and conflict will heighten. I'm going to start by giving an example of how this occurred in my own marriage. In our second year of marriage, I remember I'd been invited by my alumni. My wife and I are both alumni of USIU. And USIU had an alumni event and I had been invited to do a special opening presentation. I was excited. So I told my wife, hey, let's make it back. Let's make it let's make it in time. Let's arrive in time because I know USIU keeps time. And so uh, my wife was on leave. She was at home and I had to go to work. So my wife told me, hey, it's okay. I'm going to be at home. I'm on leave. I'm going to just be, you know, do a few chores here and there. And then afterwards, you could come pick me and let's go. So I told her, that's fantastic. Be ready by 4 p.m. Because I'm going to leave the office at 3 p.m. I'm going to ask my boss to leave early. And then I just come, find you ready. I dress up. I I shower, I dress up, and we go. Cool. Deal. We agreed. So I went to work. I asked my boss for permission. I asked him, hey, can I leave work early? Because I've got this alumni event I'd like to participate in. And I'm making a special presentation at 6 o'clock. My boss agreed and I was very happy. So I left the office and I hit traffic. <laughs> a truck had fallen uh, along the road and uh, the policemen were trying to get it out. And so I was delayed. I got home at 5 p.m. And so I was antsy. I kept getting worried. Oh, my goodness, I've lost a whole hour in traffic. I'll be late. I will never make it to USIU in one hour. So what did I do? I texted my, the head of the alumni. told him, hey, I'm running late. And uh, could you push my presentation to a little later? He said, all right, Ernest, but you need to get here in time. Because if you're not here, we'll have to get someone else to do it. So I rush up the stairs, you know, feeling the pressure of being late. And I rush up the stairs. I rap on the door. And my wife opens the door. And what do I see? There before me is Waturi holding a mop in her hand, dressed in her pajamas. I flipped. (laughs) 
<laughs> I hit the roof. I couldn't believe it. I looked at her. I looked at the time. I said, Turi, it's five o'clock. You're not ready. And she said, oh, honest, let me just explain. Let me just explain. You know this. And they said, ah, 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 ah. You have forfeited your chance to shower. You shall not shower. You shall dress up and you shall be in the car in five minutes and I shall find you down there. I'm going to shower. Now, she was like, honest, if you could just understand, like, ah, ah. I was very upset. I said, you go down right now. You've been here the whole day. You had every reason to be ready by four o'clock. It's five o'clock for crying out loud. You go down right now. And I remember she just burst into tears and said, you don't even know what I've been through. And she ran to the other room. Now, I had to stop. <laughs> I had to take a step back and I had to say, whoa, 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 Anes, calm down. Just calm down and listen. Listen. So I decided, I'll listen. And so I went up to her, walked up to her, ate humble pie and said, okay, babe, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm sorry I lost my temper. I'm sorry I got upset. I'm sorry I didn't give you a chance to speak. Would you please tell me what happened? And so Tui went goes on to tell me that um, she did have a good day. The day started off well. She did the chores. And that around lunch hour, she noticed that I had a project to finish. Now, I usually... Um, I usually do origami. Origami is a is a craft that I'm that I'm good in and I'm I'm good at and and I had a wedding coming up. Other times I do these crafts for weddings, birthday parties, events, and I had a wedding coming up and it was the biggest order yet. So my wife noticed that I wouldn't be the deadline, and she knew that being at work, um, that I would have used the time to do the to do the origami, but I I was at work. So since she was on leave, she said, hey, you know what? Before I dress up, let me just help Anis with this work. And I had taught her how to do some of the folds. So she sat down from lunch, put her earphones, you know, just listening to music and began to fold the papers, fold the papers, prepare them for me so that I could hit the, tag, the, the deadline. And she said she just got lost, just uh, lost track of time, was just enjoying the work and she listened to music. And when she looked up... <gasps> To her surprise, oh my goodness, it was five o'clock. She hadn't even realized it. And so she 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 decided to 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 really, you know, just rush and just go dress up. And she was wondering, oh my goodness, Anna was meant to be here by four, it's five o'clock. And then she noticed the area near the entrance was a bit dusty. So what did she do? She ran very quickly to get a mop and to just clean up that area. And at that very moment, what happened? Anis knocks on the door and walks in when she opens the door. And all I see is a mop in her hand. All I see is her not ready. And I flipped. And when she explained all this to me, oh my goodness, I was embarrassed. And my <laughs> my temperatures came down. <laughs> my temperatures came down. And I remember, I remember saying, I'm so sorry, babe. I'm so sorry. I didn't understand why this happened. You see, I didn't understand the cause of the conflict. Now, perhaps I would still be upset even if, I had known, but I would not be as upset. All right. Understanding brings tolerance. There's an there, there's an anger that can come down when you understand where your partner is coming from. All right. And what we're gonna do for the next few sessions, we're gonna look at at various causes of conflict. Uh, and we're gonna look at a few. Then perhaps in the next episode, look at the next few, so that we can understand where our partners are coming from and ask ourselves. Is this true in our relationships and how can we resolve them, all right? So we're going to start by just uh, looking at an overview of the six areas that we're going to cover. The first area is going to be dissimilar values. The second area, causes of conflict, is going to be communication breakdown. 
The third one is going to be unmet expectations. Part four is going to be misunderstood love languages. Part five, personality clashes. And finally, part six, lack of intimacy. All right, dissimilar values, communication breakdown, unmet expectations, misunderstood love languages, personality clashes, lack of intimacy. All right. Now, these six areas are not exhaustive, but these are what we've seen in our time in the ministry, things that come up over and over again as far as resolving conflict is concerned. So let's talk about dissimilar values, causes of conflict. Are you ready? Buckle up. Let's go. What do I mean by dissimilar values? So values, ladies and gentlemen, are belief systems that determine our behaviors. You do not act in a random way. You act based on your belief system your thoughts are the ultimate governors of your lives if you think in a certain way you will act in a certain way you will talk in a certain way and those thoughts are influenced by your belief systems and those belief systems are influenced by your values you don't act randomly all right if you believe that human life is precious all right that means you value life then your belief system would be that life must be preserved. Human life must be honored. How will that affect your behavior? Perhaps in a certain issue such as an abortion, you're faced with the whole idea of, you know, dealing with the life of an unborn, an unborn child. That value system will cause you to either keep the baby or terminate the baby. Now, if you've got a value system that perhaps says um, shame, Shame, shame must be avoided at all costs, all right? Uh, that value system will make you believe that you must not bring shame to your family and perhaps when faced with a complex situation like an abortion, you may not keep the baby, all right? So you, you ultimately act based on your values and your belief systems. And conflict is caused when a man and a woman come together in a relationship and they have dissimilar values. The Bible says in Amos 3 verse 3, can two walk together unless they agreed. Now you must understand this, that our values are not what we say, they are what we actually believe, all right? And the general frame of the values that human beings possess is based on four things, origin, morality, purpose, and destiny, all right? Origin, morality, purpose, and destiny. Now, if you're a philosophy student, you possibly know those as the big four questions origin, morality, purpose, and destiny. These four questions must be answered symmetrically in your relationships if you're going to avoid conflict, all right? If you're going to manage conflict. Now, we may think of these things to be philosophical, but I want you to just bear with me and think about them a bit deeply. Origin, what is that talking about? It says, where does life come from, all right? Where, where do we come from? Wait, wait, are we a cosmic accident? Did we just land on this planet out of some big bang that occurred millions of years ago? And out of that big bang, there's a happenstance that brought forth life. Is that how we're here? Where do we come from? Is there a God? That's the question. And if there is a God, did he make you and I? Is he a master designer? And if he is a master designer, why did he put us here? All right? What is the origin of life? Because the origin of life will guide us to help us understand um, if we came from a master builder 
a building has a builder, a book has an author, a vehicle has a manufacturer, a manufacturer. Could it be possible that creation has a creator? If we both have a strong belief system concerning our origin, then you will realize that there'll be a unity in the relationship that conflict will not destroy. If there's this unity concerning the truth, concerning the origin of life, there will be conflict. And I must say that conflict will be unnecessary. You must have similar values as a couple moving forward because the origin of life, God, will determine how you act out the rest of your life. Because if we come from God, then we owe him then we are accountable to him. Then we don't just live our lives the way we want. We actually respond to him. And if a man and a woman come together and they do not agree on that, then they will have conflict eventually. They will have conflict. How do we raise our children? Do we raise our children based on God or do we raise our children based on humanism? What is the belief that you have concerning the origin of life? That is very important. Now, you may answer that on a macro level and you may both say, Oh, honest, it's very simple. We both agree that there is a God. Well, that's fantastic, isn't it? But the question is, have you answered it on the micro level? What's the name of that God? Is he Krishna or is he Jesus Christ? Is he Allah or is he the Lord Jesus Christ? What is his name? What is his name? All right? You must understand that the Bible says that the complexity of creation points towards the creator. That we are more than body, we are also soul and spirit. It is important that you and your partner have that agreement. Now, if you come even much, much closer to the Christian faith, uh, it is important that you both have that faith. Not only just in the name of Jesus, but on his finished work on the cross that you both agree that Christ is Lord of your life. The Bible says when you are not when you are not in agreement concerning this, you are what the Bible calls unequally yoked. All right? Think of two oxen plowing the land with a wooden yoke over their necks to draw them uh, to, to 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 put them together and to plow the field. All right? Now these oxen need to be of the same build, the same strength, the same height, the same health. So they can plow the land evenly. Now suppose you put an ox and a donkey. And you put the same yoke over their necks. What do you do? What do you have? You have trouble. The donkey is frustrated. The ox is pulling most of the weight. There is tension. They, they, they cannot work together. That's what the Bible calls unequally yoked. And says if you want to have a relationship that is thriving. You must be equally yoked. Some conflict should be avoided. You shouldn't be fighting concerning how to raise your children. You shouldn't be fighting concerning the value systems to have in your family. And the Bible says categorically, do not be unequally yoked. Now, if you are already unequally yoked, you must sit down with your partner. If you're married and you're unequally yoked, you must sit down with your partner and you must win them over. If you are the believer, you must understand that you shouldn't divorce them. You shouldn't get rid of them. You should win them over with your Christ-like behavior so that they too may be won over to the value, to the values that you hold. What is the believer about the origin of life? The second one, morality. All right? Morality. Who defines right and wrong? Does our culture do that? 
do our parents do that? Is there an is there an objective standard for good and evil? And if there is, with what moral authority do we call something good and evil? Is it by that origin of life? Or if we say there's no origin of life, how can we morally, you know, with moral authority say that this is evil? Aren't we just an, a mere happenstance, an accident? You know, um, isn't just good and evil simply a conscience embalming way of saying, you know, this is survival for the fittest. There is a master builder. And that master builder, the Lord has given us a source of morality. And that morality is his word, the word of God. And the word of God clearly defines what is right and wrong. He says there is no middle ground there are such things as moral absolutes i remember once i met a man who says oh there's no such thing as moral absolutes and i said are you absolutely sure there's no such thing as moral absolutes he said yes there's no moral absolutes and i don't think he got it so i pushed him a bit further and they said all right so when you say there are no moral absolutes all right that statement that there are no moral absolutes is that a moral is that an absolute statement all right or is that a relative statement and of course, you say that's an absolute statement. I said, okay, why is that an absolute statement? You know, and why should your statement be absolute, but everyone else's statement be relative? The God of the Bible says He's given us a morally absolute way to live, and He's given it through His Word. All right. Now He said, no human being can live up to that Word, and because no human being can live up to that Word, there's going to be conflict, because you and I break the Ten Commandments, there's going to be conflict in our relationships. All right. And we'll have dissimilar values if you and I come together and we cannot agree concerning the source of our morality. If we cannot agree that sex outside of marriage is wrong, then we're going to have conflict. If we cannot agree that um, um, kindness and patience is, is the way to sort our issues, then we're going to have conflict. God says there is, a sof- there, there is a source of morality that we need to have. And he says, I pray that you're not unequally yoked. I pray that you're united, that you've got the same idea concerning the values that you hold. All right? And then he says, Papas, why are we here? Why in the world are we here on earth? Why on earth are we here on earth? All right? Uh, with a few years on earth, uh, you know, our life is like the vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. What is the goal? Is the goal to acquire possessions, to acquire money? I remember one of my uncles once said, uh, the more things you acquire on earth, the more things you leave behind when you die. All right? So is that the goal of life? Is the goal to be remembered? Is the goal to be famous? What will be the verdict of our lives? All right, because that will determine our values. That will determine what to do with our time. If we know that life is short, then we'll want to use that short life for a particular purpose. If we don't agree on the purpose of life, then we will have conflict. I will want to spend the weekend wasting away, and my partner will want to spend the weekend figuring out how to live out the rest of their lives. All right, the rest of their lives. All right. There will be conflict if those two do not agree. And then finally, destiny. Where do we after, where do we go after we die? Is our life popped open like a canned soda and then pff, we lose all our fees? Or does life restart like a video game? Or do we face the master designer, the Lord? Do we account for our lives? If we have no agreement concerning the destiny of life, then we will have major conflict. Major conflict. Because one of us will say, who cares? Life is for the here and the now. That will affect how you treat your partner. Or then you say, no, no, no. I am accountable. How I treat my wife, the Lord is watching. 
And so I must treat you with kindness, with gentleness, with respect. That does affect how you treat your partner. Now, guys, you must think about these issues in your marriages. And you must ask yourself, do we have dissimilar values? If you have dissimilar values and you are already married, all right? The goal is to sit down. The aim is to sit down and to critically ask yourself these questions. Not just for the sake of your marriages, but for the sake of your individual lives. And come together and ask the Lord to help you get to an understanding. Now, it will not take a weekend. It may take years for some of you. All right? It may take months. But the goal is to be patient with your spouse and remember why you came together. You wanted to be married to them. All right? You wanted to stay with them for the rest of your life. Now, if you're not married, all right, I'll tell you it is suicide to marry someone whose values you do not agree with. It is suicide. The people who are already married would speak authoritatively and tell you, do not marry them. It doesn't matter how cute they are. It doesn't matter how awesome they are. Do not marry them. Do not marry them. Do not marry them because you are signing yourself up till death do you part. And the present pleasure that you feel, the, the marketing of dating is so overwhelming, but the reality of marriage sets in. And when the reality of marriage sets in, you really want it to be with someone, with someone who shares your values. When you're in a moment of deep crisis, deep pain, deep conflict, in a moment of, of, of when you're in a dilemma, you want your values to guide you. And when you can't remember your values or you're not sane enough to remember them, you need a partner who will remind you of your values. All right? Now, this is what the God of the gospel says. He says that we fall short in living up to his values. What does he offer? He offers forgiveness. He says that if you know you're forgiven, you can start afresh. He says you can start afresh. You can come to a point where you understand that Christ Jesus has died on the cross and he says where you've fallen short in keeping the values he requires you to keep, he's forgiven you. Your sins are forgiven. I battled with pornography and masturbation for a very long time in my relationship and I, rem and I remember that put us in with, with two different values because pornography gives you very skewed sexual values. Pornography tells you that women are sexually available at any time. The pornography tells you that women are sex objects. Now that brought dissimilar values between Turi and I. And I remember it strained our relationship. All right? How do I restore myself? How do I get to a place where I am restored and can share similar values? The cross of Jesus Christ says, where you fail to keep the values that you need to, ups to, to, to uphold. He says, the blood of Jesus Christ wipes away your sins. Does it, it does not only wipe away your sins, but it gives you a new lease in life. It gives you new power. It gives you a, a, a refreshing restart to say, hey, my sins are forgiven. I can start again. He says that abortion has been forgiven. It's been forgiven. He says that that, that, that that sin from your past that is secret has been forgiven. He says that struggle has been forgiven. And through his power, not only is it forgiven, but the power to remain free is available to you. Do you share similar values? Because if you have dissimilar values and you're adamant about them, you'll constantly crash in your relationships. God wants you to have similar values. God wants you to consider what Amos 3.3 says when he says, Can two walk together unless they are agreed? That's the end of today's session. And we'll join you next time by talking about the second cause of conflict. 
please don't touch the dial share it with a friend let them know how they can get blessed in their marriage in their relationship by tuning in to this session on handling conflict by the relationship center my name is Anes Wamboye and i'll see you next time